Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Welcome back, parent educators, and that is going to be our theme today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have a chance and you haven't already, head down into the show notes and you'll see a link there on how to support the podcast, check out our Grumroad page, find out our YouTube channel that is growing, hopefully exponentially and not just... (laughs) you know, linearly. Um, So thank you guys for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about that kind of sticky first-time educator. We know there's some new listeners and it's the beginning of the year. It's August when we are recording this right now. I think it's coming out in September Mm timeframe. So there are going to be a bunch of parents who are first-time educators and they're a little concerned about that. And they've been a parent and they've done all the parenting things and they've learned and made mistakes along the way. But now all of a sudden, They've got to be an educator and they have to now teach and then balance these two things. It's not, you know, a teacher at a school just has to educate. They have to be a disciplinarian, but it's not their kid, right? Yeah. You have a lot of vested interest in these kids and you're also the parent. And when you're not educating, you want to have fun with your kids and and, and you don't want to have that education mar, you know, the parental experience or even just the friend experience, you know, like our kids are our friends, right? And yeah, I mean, to some extent, that's true. And I think just there isn't enough focus on this shift for parents. This is this was a big scary thing for me. Yeah. And it's a big mindset shift that they have to go through. So I think it's important that we, we talk about this. It's a new it's a completely new role. You're no longer just their parent. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the fear of like, how do, do I need to act differently when I'm a educator? And like, yeah. What, how, you know, how do I have And to... how will this affect my relationship with my exactly. kids? I think that's a, a worry that a lot of parents have too. So one of the big things about becoming a parent educator is it's really a shift in mindset. And it's not just, you know, how you think about it, but it's also a shift in skill set. So there's two things have to happen at once. Yeah, you exactly. got to get yourself kind of in the mode of what you need to do. And then you have to uh, dig up some skills you may not have known you had or acquire some new skills that you know you haven't used in the past and so that can be a really scary thing for folks well and luckily you're a parent and you know with parenting everything is evolving all the time you know just when you get over the hump of like you know potty training or you know them sleeping through the night then you have a new problem you have more attitude and more sass or whatever <laughs> oh, we're in a sass phase we're, right in a, now. we're in a heavy sass phase right now and you know Every time there's something new and we have to pivot and we have to learn, you know, what techniques do we have to use or how do we approach these issues and, you know, how do we grow with our, our learners and whatnot. So you have to do the exact same thing when it comes to an, being an educator, right? Right. And I think we need to recognize that just because you're, you know, a parent educator 
and you're in the middle of homeschooling, let's say, doesn't mean that you're not switching hats back and forth constantly. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like you say like, okay, we're going to be homeschooling for the next three hours and I'm going to be in my complete parent educator mode. Um, There's going to be swapping constantly, right? You're one minute you're educating, the next somebody's in timeout for poking somebody (laughs) else with a pencil. So So there's times when, you know, you've got to keep switching and, and flipping that hat on and off is something that takes some practice and getting used to. Yeah, it's not just about you being an educator, right? It's also about your children becoming students. And for some of these, you know, for some of us homeschooling, you know, they never went into, you know, a public school or a private school. So they never actually had that experience of becoming a student. You know, Mm -hmm. they may have done some preschool and understood that they go to preschool to play and and learn little things. But, you know, this is where we're starting to sit down and do things, Um, especially if you have, you know, a younger student. But you you may have your own challenges, and we had a bunch of episodes about de-schooling. You know, if you've taken a student out of the mm-hmm. public school, they have some expectations as well as being a student. And right. maybe in a homeschool environment, it's a little bit different. So there's a little bit of a, you know, adaption that, that has to have happen both on your side, but also on your student's side. Exactly. And the lines will be blurred between the roles, right? It's yeah. not really strict. So you're switching hats back and forth. And even when you have your parent educator hat on, yeah. you might still be, you know, half parent, right? Exactly. Or 60% parent. Right? So <laughs> it is a little bit blurry. Um, but this is about creating an environment where you can learn with your kids as a partnership. I, I think that's the thing that I, I don't see stressed enough in homeschool literature is the partnership aspect of this. And it really helps. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it helps our parental mindset to think about it as a partnership rather than a top down kind of driven thing it's or the keyword, the partnership is or the unschooling, yeah. uh, you know, ch- child led, right? You hear about both of those kind of options. And I prefer to think of it, whoever's, you know, deciding what they want to learn. I like, I just like that partnership thinking about it as the two of you or what the group of you together right your team exactly so let's get into a little bit of the challenges around you know becoming this parent educator you know the first one is kind of this pedagogical knowledge you know the fact that you have to learn or know certain information um, that you're going to be presenting to your learner you know whether it's a kindergartner and you're teaching them how to write numbers that's fairly easy but you could have a sixth grader and you have to talk about you know, the water cycle and the environment, right? right? And that may be something you don't have full full knowledge of. Right, or you didn't study in a really long time. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I hear constantly from parents that are like, I was bad in school. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't perform well in math. Now I have to teach math. I feel really uncomfortable. We have a friend who feels super uncomfortable teaching middle school science. Yep. She didn't do poorly in it, but it's been so long and she just feels really unprepared. So that can be a, a challenge to well, she be may prepared have, for. She may have you know, a vision of what that means right. and whether or not that is correct or not is, you know. My vision to, includes said, overheads. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about yours and a TV, a giant TV strapped to a cart that they wheeled into science class. But <laughs> and play, play a little VHS. While we, while we dissected a worm. Yeah, we did a frog on ours. Yeah, <laughs> right. So that's one of them. And one of the things that you can do to help yourself feel better about that is to find sources to help you pre-study. This and, is what teachers do. Well, and this is also something you're doing right now with our ancient history, if you've watched some of our videos online, we've been actually talking about books that the parents can read along mm-hmm. along with the journey to, you know, bring a, an additional element of knowledge and this pedagogi- pedagogical knowledge right. that they can bring to the learning experience. You know, it's not, there's nothing to be said that you can't do this as well. And I think for personally, for me, you know, doing the, all of this around the world and now we're in ancient civilizations. And as we continue to move on through all these curriculums, I find, you know, really invigorating learning this 
you know, for, you know, sometimes for the first time, but sometimes for the second time, you know, as an older adult, I'm enjoying this and I'm, I'm getting an, an excitement around it. And I think I'm, you know, as an educator, bringing that excitement to my children and they're seeing that I'm excited and we're learning and we're all learning together. It's, I think it brings a a unique aspect that maybe they don't get in a normal public education. I think we as homeschoolers have to embrace this concept of being lifelong learners because we are learning with our kids. It's not just about teaching them, it's about growing ourselves. So finding ways to pre-study, whether that's finding a YouTube video about that math concept that you're gonna be teaching or finding a book or just review, fully reviewing the lesson and making sure you feel comfortable with it before you're going to present it. That's what a teacher in a public school would do. Yeah. A lot of the education that teachers have is around um, managing a classroom and kind of those kind of things. A lot of teachers don't have, it's not like they walk in the first day that yeah, they right. become a teacher in whatever subject and they're an expert in that subject. Teachers are doing a lot of studying themselves as well. They're mm-hmm. going home and saying, hey, this week I'm going to be teaching about the, you know, the biology of the cell and I'm going to do a bunch of research on that. Yeah. And you can do that same thing too. So find good sources of things. If something scares you, that's a great thing to embrace and say, okay, I'm going to start and learn this. And then you can feel in a more comfortable place to learn it with your child or, or to teach it to your child, depending on the age, right? This may be an age where you learn it with them. And that's an okay thing to do too. If you find a great source to teach you, maybe that's a great source to help teach your kids as well. And even just beyond going out to learning the information, one of the things I think a lot of teachers have, especially through experience, is seeing the breadth of all the different types of kids and understanding here are some different methods I can implement mm-hmm. and use in order to teach these students. And for us, we're going to, you know, an N equals one issue, mm-hmm. you know, with the teacher, they, they may have like three or four years of experience. They may have a, a number of kids that are 200 or 300 and they've seen different things and they've tried different things and they've tried a wide variety. For us, we're just trying to figure out what the one kid, right? And that could be a little yeah, bit. Yeah, or the small group. Yeah, we have a very small sample size. So for us, it's kind of hard to, you know, find out what is most effective, find out what methods work best. You know, I, I, I spent a year or so researching reading methods and reading tricks and reading you know activities yeah, trying and to figure that out trying to figure out what it would take to get my 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 oldest to begin to start reading and and helping her along that path and and listening to podcasts and reading articles and whatnot you know what do i need to do what am i right. doing wrong and and in the end it was you just have to keep working and you know eventually got through it but you know i was trying different activities I was trying different methods. Mm-hmm. I was approaching things in different ways. Different ways to crack the, that nut. <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of that going with the, you know, the enjoyment of you learning the topic, but also learning how to teach that topic Absolutely. in many different ways is another challenge that we as educators have to be ready for and, and be able to prepare for. Yeah. And maybe that involves getting a tutor. You exactly. you know, outsourcing this might be the right answer, especially if you've got a middle school student or an early high school student that's doing something in math or science. This is a great point to say, hey, maybe it's Khan Academy for yeah. math because they're going to teach this better. And if the student needs support, you can look to a tutor. You can yeah. look to other online sources. You can look to an older homeschool student. We have some mm-hmm. friends that have homeschoolers that live next door that are a few years older. And so when they come a- across something that's difficult, maybe they go to one of those 
those older students to tutor the younger. Our daughter's going to be learning an instrument at school this year. And one of the things that we talked to her teacher about was, hey, is there another homeschool student that might already play this instrument that could spend a little extra time with her? And it was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So don't forget about the homeschool community. And, you know, a tutor doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that you go down to a learning center and take them to a tutor or have someone come to your house. It could be another homeschooler relationship. Well, and we're even doing this with our our oldest at the parent partnership that we go to, you know, a lot of her classes are, you know, singing and woodworking and all these fun kind of extracurricular activities. Yeah, they're just all But we did a, a reading assessment last year and we, she had to do this reading test with a teacher and she really liked this teacher. And we, we found that this teacher was teaching a reading class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we said, hey, you know, we're going to continue doing our reading curriculum. We're going to do everything we normally do. Um, but she really liked this teacher. And it doesn't hurt my feelings as the educator that she you know, was excited about this teacher or this teacher, you know, gave her some excitement around reading. So if you're at a parent partnership or if you're at a co-op and just like what you said, if maybe there's a next door neighbor or, or uh, you know, your your homeschooling, you know, friend down the street is really good at, at teaching reading. Maybe you do a swap and, you know, Absolutely. maybe she'll once a week she does a little bit of a reading lesson with, with them and they just get it from a different angle. And a lot of times, Think about like yourself, you know, listening to new topics and new things. Sometimes you got to get it from multiple points of view and then you finally, you know, grok the information and, and children are no different. And so sometimes you may need like an outside source, like a tutor or another parent or a yeah. co-op teacher or like in our parent partnership. We we opted not to send her to like a Spanish class or some other type of thing. We went with the reading class because we, we know reading is important. Um, it's important to continue to cultivate that. And we saw this kind of spark in her eyes and in an excitement. We said, let's let's run with this and see what Absolutely. see what happens. So it doesn't hurt our feelings. It doesn't hurt my feeling to say, let's get a little bit of help or try something in a different way. And you may have to do that as well. Yeah. And the message here is there be is- Be open. A, be open. Yeah. Be open and don't be afraid of it. There yeah. is There are many ways to get things done. It doesn't <laughs> have to be you. Don't let that scare you off and just don't let that- um, hurt this adaption time, you know, when you're kind of thinking about, oh man, how am I going to track tackle this? There's a way you'll, yeah. you'll figure it out. Everything can be taught, whether by you or someone else, there's options. And so moving on from challenges, we have this kind of, you're assuming this pedagogical teaching, you know, I'm going to be d- delivering information to you child and you will then learn and be, you know, enlightened. enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we talked a little bit about it, but teaching techniques, understanding how to teach certain things. And, you know, when we are new teachers, and I fell right into this, you know, we have some vision of what how to educate, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those visions of education are tend to be the things that we got last. So whether that's college, or, you know, you know, high school, it's freshest in your mind, this is the freshest thing in your mind. And you like most of us, I mean, we don't really remember what our teachers were like, in second grade, we may have some memories here or there that it was fun, or I remember this teacher doing this thing, but do you remember your second grade teacher teaching you uh, sight words? You probably don't. Nope. And so how did they approach that? We can't remember that. And remember if we are getting one of these, when we have one of these early learners, when, if we approach it like, you know, the last thing I remember is a college class, well, okay, that's not gonna work, you know? <laughs> or if you approach it from like what you remember high school being like, that may not be the best way to go. And the, the techniques I think are, are going to, are going to matter. And you're going to have to spend a little bit of time, um, I'm working through those. What's nice is when you have a curriculum, like an all about reading or, a, you know, a math mammoth or a right start math or 
any, you know, like build your library or Torchlight or Blossom and Root, when you have these curriculums, they're helping you through that because right. they're giving you the activities and, and they're giving you those techniques, whatever curriculum you end up choosing at home, they're going to help you through that. And a lot of times they're scripted or they, they've right. given you those activities. And you might grab something and gravitate towards something that's oh, more absolutely. prescriptive at the beginning as you're making this adaption, right? You want the information that you're, you're giving to your learner to be engaging, mm-hmm. for them to be able to uptake it easily, for it to be fun and entertaining. That's not a skill that you develop overnight. I kind of liken this a little bit to like public speaking. I've done a lot of public speaking training and I know you have too. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you start and you're nervous and you're jittery and you um, 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 um all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have coherent thoughts it's all of that but after you get some experience then you'll you'll find the way to connect with your audience to emote in your voice it's all of those things and as a parent educator it's really the same thing you have to find a way to connect with this audience of your children and all children are going to learn a little bit differently and have different interests and things that get them excited we're doing ancient egypt right now and our kids are just like super excited about how the like the gross parts of how they make mummies and they're really connecting with it and so you're kind of like leaning into that and they're into it you might have another kid who is really connected to things that are outdoors and just really does things that way so this is a part about learning about your students and also learning about yourself and kind of honing your skills but i know that that's a that's a, a hard thing to adapt to if you've never taught formally taught anybody anything and you never had too when you started with our daughter and you were like no. okay how do i how do i go about this well especially when i started with torchlight we we did the pre-k curriculum and i thought it was a really nice enter you know entry into homeschooling because it was very straightforward it was very prescriptive and it was a lot of reading of children's books and doing activities and right that's pretty easy for the most part, but I can imagine if you have your first homeschooling experiences, you know, a second grader or a fourth grader, you know, that's going to become, you're going to have to hit the ground running a little bit more. Um, but there may be some, you know, element that, you know, we're running with some experiential learning, focusing on that, you know, doing project-based learning with your student and being involved with it, kind of getting excited and, and feeling out how children learn. Because with a lot of us, we are not part of the learning experience. We don't sit in on the public schools. Right. We don't sit in on the preschool classes. We, we just don't do these things. And all of a sudden, now we have to be the educator. And this could be a scary thing. So starting out with that experiential learning and project-based learning, helping you know get that experience and whatnot, I think is a good way to kind of get going. Right. And the other thing is gather feedback from your student as oh, you absolutely. go along. Yeah. You know, what do they like? What do they not like? Oh, I love it when you tell silly stories. That yeah. helps me understand that part of history, whatever. Yeah. And you'll, you'll find your groove, but this is about, you know, being flexible, mm-hmm. trying a few things. Um, it's not going to all work all the time. There are some days when it doesn't work. Yeah. Even though you know our, our learner styles, it's some days... The tried and true methods don't work. So don't get kind of caught up in that. Mm-hmm. Like look at the overall trend. And it doesn't mean it's going to yeah. change the next day. Like you just may have like a week day. Like I had a day the other day where we were doing the activities and it was a grind. It was like, mm-hmm. oh man, this is not going to be good. And so I just bailed on the reading portion and then I made her just do a little bit of the math and I just called it for the day because I just knew it wasn't, she wasn't feeling it that yeah, day. You know? I wasn't going to push it. The next day we made up for it. Right. So it's not like you have to toss out the techniques every day, but like like what you said, being able to anticipate, learn and then get the feedback that, you know, it sounds weird to ask a five year old how they like the <laughs> curriculum you're using. 
but they will give you an honest answer. And what's really cool is that they want to hear, they want to feel like they're being heard as well. And I think that will help build going back to the, the word that you chose earlier, the partnership, cultivating that partnership, I think is the key thing because the sooner you can find out when something's wrong or the sooner you can find out the right path, the better, you know, so you don't have to go down the wrong paths. You don't have to do the wrong things. You don't have to discover that when everyone's at, you know, at, at their heads and they're knocking heads together and you're upset. If you can find that out earlier, mm-hmm. man, that just makes life so much easier. I mean, it's, it's so obvious to say that, but when you are in the moment, yeah. it, you can feel like I'm just banging your head against the floor and going, what is going on Why here? Why can't I get through this? Why can't I get through this? Yeah, it's crazy. So I think it's, I think it's too about a, building a relationship. Mm-hmm. You obviously have a relationship with your children already, but you are you are changing some of the parameters of that relationship. And so you're going to be learning about each other in new ways. They don't know what it's like to have you as a teacher and not mm-hmm. just mom or dad. And you don't know what it's like to have them as a student. Even if you did some things for preschool and stuff, a lot of that is really play-based when you're actually going to get into like teaching mm-hmm. them to read and yeah. you know this. So it's it's a new relationship learning for both of you. But but don't stress. It's an evolution. The, the relationship will evolve. Your teaching techniques will evolve. Eventually, you'll be the teacher that you want to be. But like you said, I don't remember my no. early teachers. So in some aspects, I don't know the teacher I want to be. Exactly. But you can feel when it's not going right. Yeah, when you can go- feel when you're not in the groove. <laughs> yeah. And you can feel when like, oh, today was easy. And I had fun. And they had fun. And we got a lot done. It's like, okay, whatever I did here was working. And then you just, you build on those positive experiences as your skill grows. Exactly. And I think those, the revelation that you're going to make over that time frame is the key is patience and adaptability. And the key is patience. And I, the funny thing is I actually had a, a thought experiment the other day. It's like, oh, okay. You know, our youngest is in running start and she's off at a community college and maybe I start working again. And, and a, the guy sits, you know, I'm, I'm getting interviewed and the person across from me asked me, you know, what have you learned over the last 15 years not working? And now you want to come back into tech. What have you learned? And my answer is always going to be patience. I have learned patience more than anything <laughs> yeah. else in this world. And especially with young learners and may not, I think the patience issue, you know, if, going back to it evolves over time. The patience at the beginning is understanding that this stuff is hard. Yeah. Like reading is hard and math is hard for these young kids to to begin to to understand. And, you know, some learners will just run with it, right? Oh, I got a reader who read super easy. I have a kid who likes math, right? And I know there's somebody listening that says, I have a kid who reads really well and does math poorly. And I, I mm-hmm. have a kid who, you know, struggles more with reading, but, you know, math, no big deal. We were doing exponents the other day and she's seven, right? She just gets it. And right. so... But reading, not so much. Not so much. And so... You know, having the patience to understand that this is a long game. There are no built-in expectations. They're they're going to get the stuff over time and everything. And the patience may be different for an older student. If you're sitting here homeschooling, you know, an eighth grader or a ninth grader, you know, freshman in high school, the patience may be about them actually doing their work, right? right? Because you're getting not, their projects done. You're not directly supervising exactly. them, and it can be really difficult to not be frustrated when you know that your student's not grasping a concept because they're just not paying attention. Exactly. They're not giving it their full effort. They're doing, you know, a half baked job because yeah. they just don't want to. And that's when I think it's most difficult to keep our cool. Is when we're like yeah. we're trying to teach them 
trying to make it engaging. We're trying to make it fun. And you know that they're not giving you an equal level of engagement, right? You're like, hey, I'm putting out this much effort and you're giving me this tiny little bit of effort. (laughs) And then you're complaining that you don't understand it. And that can be really tough. And so it's difficult when you're adapting to this new role to try to find patience in those moments or the the wisdom to say, maybe this is not the right time for this. Let's go on to something else. But also you have the... You're right. And, and there's this issue with we're adults and we can learn things really quick. You know, when we're in our corporate lives or in your business world, your, your boss tells you to do something or you're, you're given a task or a responsibility and you run with it. And at the end of two weeks, boom, you got some new skills. You learned some new things. You put together something right. and you've presented that. And you as an adult can really run with new information. I can learn anything right now. You give me it, give me two weeks and I can probably learn whatever that thing is. We have to approach the fact that these are kids and their speed of learning things is so much slower. In some subjects. <laughs> in some and, subjects. In some subjects, but, but they'll all, learn really fast. And then it, it, yeah. it, it changes what you think, right? But it's all incremental. It is and incremental. sometimes those incremental steps can be really small. And like what you said, hey, I'm teaching you today and they're not into it. But you might have made like a little progress and then you come back tomorrow, maybe make a little bit more because it's a better day. They have, mm-hmm. They slept better. You know, maybe they're not hungry or whatever it might be. Oh, man, being hangry is the worst of it. When they're hungry, they can't learn. I I totally agree. And that's why we go through so many snacks. All (laughs) y'all homeschoolers out there, you know, we go through a lot of snacks. These kids (laughs) eat so much more there there at home. But it's hard. You know, you've got a kid who can really uptake one subject. Like our Mm -hmm. daughter just really gets math. It clicks. And then another subject that they don't. It's really hard to have patience across because you can maybe judge their learning speed off of that subject that they get really easily. Yeah. And you have to remember that, okay, this other one, this is a challenge. Well, and learning speed is kind of an interesting thing because we have the pressure of the curriculum. You know, us as educators, you as a new educator are thinking, I got to finish this curriculum this year. And if I go at this speed, I'm never going to finish it. And you have that pressure. So you want them to move faster or you want them to learn things faster. But you have to understand that maybe it's a little bit slower now, but once they get moving, you're, maybe you'll finish it early, right? Right. Like there's a there's a momentum coming um, that maybe you don't see. So, as an educator, you have to adjust for that and and, and right. account for that and understand that. Well, you might be moving a little slower here, but maybe I'll move faster later because I'm doing the groundwork now. That we've talked about that with the math, having good groundwork right. is allowing me to move faster now because she just gets it. Right. right? Such good concept work, and, and I think it's it's one of those things where. You know, you have to have the patience to step back and say, okay, maybe I need to adapt how I'm teaching this. Maybe this isn't the right way. Maybe I need a new environment to teach this in. Maybe we need to go outside and teach. Maybe I need to like put this aside and go to a field trip to help reinforce this, this topic. Or, you know, you may have to, it's really hard when you've planned as the planner. It's really hard when you've planned something out and you've put all this effort into it, which you think your student will like, and then they hit some mental block and you've Mm. got to break through that. And you may have to just say, you know, breathe out. It's okay that you maybe quote unquote wasted some time in your planning and approach it in a different way. Yep. yep. And, and even just understanding that you may have to do several different things, several mm-hmm. different adaptations before you find something that works. Right. This type of curriculum versus this type of curriculum. You know, we've hopped through a number of preschool curriculums with our youngest. Right. And we're just realizing that every time we, we get the new one, we're like, oh, she's just moving faster. We need to go faster. Yeah, or she's just, she's not digging this the way she that our other daughter did. She classical music and the art as much. She wants to listen to Guns N' Roses and do color by numbers. Okay, fine, I'm cool I with mean, that. you know, she's not wrong. Yeah. She's not wrong. A little bit GNR so, is fine. And, you know, sometimes... 
we're giving you the permission here. It's okay to have a parent timeout, and yeah. we do this. Oh, I do it all. And time. we say this to each other when we see it, like you might need a timeout. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's the time where one minute for every year you're old. So Ooh, I, man, I love the, it. I love the it. The older we get, the longer these timeouts get. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Don't push yourself so hard that you snap. If you are yeah. really frustrated. You really lost your patience. I remember when we first started homeschooling, you were seriously worried about this because you're like, I am not a patient person by nature. No, I'm not. You really felt like this was going to be problem. You're, I remember you saying, this is going to be my biggest challenge because I'm not patient. Well, I don't all, like loud noise it. and I'm not patient. Yeah, and now look at you. We, we, no, <laughs> we all do it. Um, you're going to snap and you're going to get angry and you're going to get upset and you're going to have to break it and you're going to have to come back. It's totally fine. We all, we've all been there. Every homeschooler right. has been there. We've all snapped. Practice your apologies. <laughs> Practice your apologies. And that's what we do, and move right? Forward, yeah. We, with our, with our kids too, just because I think that this, we talked about them not giving an equal num- amount of effort and we don't just like let that go necessarily. We do try to redirect. We try to go into something else, but we do come back and say, you know, daddy or mommy is putting a lot of effort in here and you're not. And usually they're like, I'm sorry, I, I should have. I should have put in the equal amount of effort. I should have recognized that you cared to put in, you mm-hmm. know, whatever planning that well, you did. That's part of the partnership, part it's of the It's part of the partnership. So it's, you know, there's sometimes sorries on both sides too when we snap and go, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to, to do that. Um, but it's okay before you snap to take a time out, say, kids, go watch some PBS Kids for a few minutes. We <laughs> yeah. do this all the time. All the time. Kids, I just, uh, just we need a PBS Kids break and they go over to the Roku and they turn on <laughs> PBS Kids and they watch one of the shows there and they learn something while we just like take a breath, reset. Don't be afraid to, you know, take a time out. Well, and that leads right into the idea of de- dealing with resistance. You're always going to get resistance. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, I don't think it's unique to a homeschool. I think it's everywhere, like mm-hmm. whether they're in the public schools or private schools or co-ops. How or many pr- people are fighting over homework with their kids all, all the, the time, time? All the time. From, from public school. Exactly. It, it, resistance from kids is just, they're always pushing those boundaries. Yeah. And they don't have as the, the grasp of why something's important for them yeah. to learn at this age. You know, that's something we can help them with, with why this is important because it's the building block to get to something else and whatever. Um, but, you know, dealing with resistance is mm-hmm. kind of a universal parenting problem, yeah. except that now you're going to be dealing with it. Yeah, I can't just... You deal with it more now. You deal with it more because everything comes back to you you're the you're the one giving out all of the assignments it's not like you know teacher so-and-so can't be the bad guy (laughs) it's you well and the resistance can come from you know a bunch of different places and it's super important to find out where that's coming from you know like what we said a little bit earlier are they hangry are they tired Mm -hmm. are they struggling with the subject is this not the thing they like is this curriculum Maybe not the right way we need to go. Do I need to approach right. this in a different way? Are they distracted and so they can't focus and yeah. so they just don't want to, you know, don't want to do it? Do they need physical activity before they start doing their education? You know, we don't know, right? So, and that's really going to be on you as the parent to understand deeply what your child needs. And the the benefit is you have you have that knowledge. You you you're with them all the time and you understand, you know, before you even started educating when they were five. When you were doing numbers and countings and you're driving down the road and you're doing I spy games and stuff and you're you're learning and you're doing all these activities, but maybe it doesn't not in a formalized way. Right. You have already had a lot of experience on what your kid is like. You know, you know what your kid is like. Oh, you know, Timmy doesn't like it when I you know, when I'm just quizzing him all the time. He loves it when he goes and does these activities, or he loves it when he's learning via art, 
right? When he's mixing colors, then we can learn our colors, right? You've already learned this and you, you have a deep knowledge and understanding. And that's, I think that's actually kind of the benefit of homeschooling is that you right. are a built-in, deeply knowledgeable person about these kids and you can break through this resistance, find out what is halting the educational process. Right, because- Or a public school teacher won't have that time. They, they won't have the time and they want the depth. That, that knowledge of your child. Exactly. And, you know, as humans, we naturally want to learn. All yeah. humans want to learn. Of course. So if your kids are resisting learning, something is wrong yeah. that you need to figure out. And it, it could be they're tired, or it could be they're hungry, or this isn't working, or whatever. But, you know, we have to assume, just like we have to assume positive intentions in people, we have to assume that our kids want to learn. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, something something's going on. Yeah, and that, that's all being the empathetic. And going back to that, that word partnership, Right. Being empathetic in this partnership and saying... And being curious. And knowing this kid wants to learn stuff. And it may not be... And the hard part for us is like, well, I want you to learn to read. I want you to learn to write. I want you to learn to do math. But you want to do Minecraft. You want to do Legos. And you want to do playing in the mud and building building sculptures and stuff. You go, okay, how can I leverage that stuff? And that's where that patience and finding the determination and crafting in a creative way which can be very difficult and very tiring right because if you're having to create on the fly all the time it can be very frustrating that you just i'm not very good at this or right. i feel like every day I, I i wake up and i don't know anything and i have to it's like the 50 first dates right? <laughs> right you wake up on a boat and who's this guy and who's this girl and why is my dad on the on this boat and why am i in the, in the you know the, yeah. in, in alaska right um, every day it feels like you're you're having to reinvent the wheel every single time and that can be very taxing and trying um right if you are having to adapt in those ways, but you know, having this partnership, having the communication, yeah. knowing what you need to do is I think the key. In general, if you're curious, you mm -hmm. will find the keys to your kid and you won't be adapting every day. I mean, there are some weeks where it's like that truly, <laughs> it is. It really but is. there are others where it's like, okay, hey, you know, we're in the yeah. groove. And as your kids get older, this changes too. The things that they're resistant to, you talked about, you know, wanting to make mud sculptures, yeah. right? That might be your, your youngest learner is just like not doing it if it's not outside. Whereas, and we kind of had this where we had to like leverage Lego really early because that's kind of what our, our older daughter wanted. But now that she's almost eight, now we can say like, hey, if you can get your math done, you can have an extra half hour of Lego time. Yep. And so now we don't have to teach in Legos, but Legos is her end goal. Mm -hmm. And so she'll, she'll do the things that she needs to do. And it always is changing. So, you know, this message about resistance is just expect it and know that you are going to have to deal with it and think about some ways that you, you know, you might deal with that while keeping your patience. Um, so moving from that, you know, breaking through the resistance, we, we have said, you know, the assessment and the feedback is the key thing. And I think a lot of times yeah. when you're, when you're becoming that educator for the first time, understanding how to assess when your child learns something. I ran into this a lot. Right. Are they, like, are they actually learning? I mean, do, I'm teaching it. Do they know it? Yeah. I, like, like we, spoilers, we're going to be interviewing someone from all about reading and boy, do I have some questions. For um, <laughs> oh, that poor lady. I know, but it's not about their curriculum, but just in teaching to read in general, it's like, okay, I have all these cards. Do I need to be going back? I'm in lesson 38. Do I need to be reviewing every week lessons three and four cards? Right. So like, How much are they supposed to retain? Yeah. And, and knowing when to assess is is really, it's tough, but regular and, you know, formal and informal assessments, you know, they can be really helpful instead of waiting yeah. till the end of the year. If you wait till the very end and then say, okay, what have you learned? That can be really hard. And you it, may need to craft some assessments. That's right. If your curriculum doesn't have that built in. 
Yeah, and this allows you to course correct as you're going on on mm-hmm. your way. So informal assessments, we do lots of informal assessments. Lot, I get home from work, and we sit down to the dinner table, and you'll say, hey, you know, kiddo, tell mom what you learned today. And she's like, oh, mom. And she goes into all the stuff. And then even the little ones like, mommy, mommy. Yeah, we knew this. And, you know, that's we are informally assessing her at the dinner table. Yeah. She doesn't know that, but we're just kind of. It's doing you know, that recall activity where you're, right. you learn something, what did they you learn? recall it, you teach it back. And now I know it. Right. Isn't there like some like there's some like acronym there where it's like I learn, I, I assess, I write, I I I don't know. You'll find it it for the show notes. I'll put it for the show notes. But that's something that you can do. And then if there is formal assessment, something like, you know, Math Mammoth or um, Right Start that come come with assessments, that's great. If not, you can make up your own assessments. You can get assessments made. Um, There's lots of places online to do it. Or you can use AI if you want to say, hey, give me a quick test for first grade level on this book you know, some comprehension questions to ask or whatever. You can do different different things to assess, but it's really important to assess regularly, um, you know, carefully. It's not like you're testing your kids all the time, yeah. but just to know, it tells like... You, it tells you as an educator that you're doing through? a good job. Yeah, am I, am I doing a good job? Right. It, yeah, yeah. It's helpful to have that feedback. Um, formal assessments are really great with things like math and spelling and science where, you know, the quizzes are just really easy to make. Mm-hmm. But... I'd recommend more informal assessments when you're doing creative subjects. So, you know, you're doing reading, you want to know about their comprehension or you're doing history and do you know, this what with, did they take away? I do this with math sometimes if if we've learned a new concept, like we're deep into multiplication right now and I will just pull up a piece of paper and I'll give her some examples that are very similar to the ones we just did, but little tweaks and stuff. And I'll ask her to go ahead and do this. Um, like one of my, my favorite things to do right now, it's like, okay, five plus five plus five is another way of saying five times three. And then I go, okay, great. What is five plus five plus five plus five? That's five times five. Great. Now simplify it into exponents, five squared. And then I want you to go in the other, or I'll have her go the other direction, you know, where I'll say, here's five squared, go all the way to addition. So she has to break it into multiplication and then, then break that into, wow, into awesome. addition. So she's going up and down that tree and it's just driving home that idea that, okay, exponents is just another these are all the same this is all the same thing right it's all addition did more of that yeah so like i'll do those little assessments like that where i'm just driving home those concepts reading's the same way i'll just have her do you know we're we're doing like letter tiles on the board and i'll do the ones in all about reading or you know whatever reading curriculum you're doing but i'm doing these letter tiles on a magnet board and i'll do the words that they ask me to do and i'll do the words that are on the sheet but if if there's a word I know that's not like that, I'll put it, or if it's a little bit more difficult, right. or if it's a compound word where it's like, you know, stove, but it's like a hot, you know, I'll do like a sentence like a hot stove or, you know, like, like, like sticks. And you could do like, I don't know, like there's, you can build a compound word that's a little bit more complex. They do this in the fish sticks. Fish sticks. Thank you. <laughs> um, so like you'll do fish sticks and then she'll have to read the bigger word. And like you could just make things up, but those are good ways to assess whether or not they're understanding what they're reading and then recalling something that right. they've learned before. And that's making some small formal assessments. Yeah. One of the other things you can do informally, we like to play games, of course. So yeah. we play reading games with our older daughter, with our younger who's just doing letter recognition for preschool now. Like we played Scrabble Junior a mm-hmm. couple weeks back and as she had to recognize the letters so she could put them down and she said them as she was putting them down. I'm like, great, she's learning her letters. Yeah. You know, other ideas for informal assessment too, you can do things like, you know, acting out a scene from a book. That's a great way to kind of test their comprehension well and that's that's kind of funny because in the build your library um curriculum right now they do these narrative 
activities where you have to pick things about regarding the book that you're reading. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like th- that was just a great way of right. learning what Why you, don't you recall what you've learned. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great idea. The other thing you could do, like have a debate, have two yeah. students pick different characters from a book and how would they talk or how would they act? Just making it fun. Yeah, there's lots of fun ways to assess, but it really is a good idea to figure out what might work for your learner because you do need to know if like, you know, you're being effective, it's confidence building, but also do we need to change course and try to adapt something? Um, Next thing is, you know, just homeschooling together, right? You know, the whole, the whole name of our podcast is the idea that there's a whole community of people out there homeschooling and leaning and leveraging a community around you to to assist you in becoming a better educator, whatever mm-hmm. that might be, right? You can't do this in a vacuum. No, you can't. You really need support from other parent educators. You got to compare notes. You need to get advice. You just need to... You can do this online or in person. Yeah, absolutely. Other parents are just a really great source of ideas. They can you know, really help you through some specific struggles and give you their own experience and help you not feel so isolated or alone when <laughs> yeah. you're going through this because it is tough. This is a transition yeah. and I love to sit down with other homeschool parents and kind of just talk shop. Yeah, like we did that the other day we had some friends over and we're like have you noticed an increase in the sass lately like they kind of looked at us and said i mean not any more than we already get (laughs) (laughs) it's good you know as because as it's it's fun because our kids aren't static right they're learning and they're changing and they're growing and then they're going through their own phases of childhood Mm -hmm. so you're right it is fun to be able to talk with other parents and say like i'm boy i'm just hitting this new roadblock Mm -hmm. and even we've been homeschooling for a number of years and we still we hit roadblocks, you know, regularly. All the time. So it's great to be able to bounce things well, off other parents. And I'm about to go, you know, full hog on two kids now. Like I'm going to have, you know, we've been kind of playing with curriculum and doing little things here and there. And, you know, I do stuff every day, but I'm now starting to formally do stuff with my youngest because she's ready for it. And she, yep, yep. she's ready to learn. She's ready to do math. She's ready to do you know, kind of a, you know, a torchlight pre-K type of curriculum where we're reading mm-hmm. a lot of books and we're talking about emotions and all that stuff. Just what I did with my oldest four years ago, you know, she's ready for it now. And, and that's only going to become, I'm going to have now a whole new set of problems I have to solve and, and look for other things. So it's really nice to have other parents to, you know, ask that question, like, what did you do for this? I, yeah. you know, I'm having this tr- trouble or this struggle. It doesn't have to happen in a vacuum and you don't have to do this alone. That's right. And so definitely find your local homeschool friends, find your, your co-op or your meetup. It's great to have some in-person friends, but it's mm-hmm. also great to have an online community of folks. This is where some of the Facebook groups can be really helpful. We have a very um, wonderfully helpful Facebook group. And one of the things I like about that is it, it's uh, kind of immediate support. Yeah. You know, I have homeschool friends, but I don't see them all the time. I can't just ask my questions, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, like, oh, I'm having such and such problem. I can't figure out how to plan for tomorrow. But there's always some folks online. So if you can join a really good group and there's groups for every state. So, you know, find some folks online that you can bounce ideas off of. A community is really important in homeschooling. And, you know, community leads to learning. Learning is continuous process, something that we always have to be doing. Even as homeschool educators, you know, homeschooling is always changing. You know, the laws are changing. There's new things coming in. Yeah, there's new curriculum. There's new, new ideas about yep. the best practices and ways to teach. So yep. really continuously learning is an important part of being a parent educator because this is a, it's like a job. So you have to continue to grow and evolve, learn what's new in homeschooling. And, yeah. and the community can really help you, um, 
to stay on top of things because I have a really hard time. It's not like there's, yeah. you know, an easy news source I just go and grab everything well, from. So it's, being it's this, on online yeah. and talking with those parents is helpful. It's the beauty of the uh, the wisdom of the crowds yeah. where you have this crowded, crowdsourced wisdom that gets brought to, you know, a Facebook group like ours or some of the other numerous other secular homeschooling uh, Facebook groups. Just wonderful people. They're, they all have opinions. They're all doing different things. And you know, those opinions might be very big and maybe very small, but um, you can get a lot of great input and, and learn the lay of the land and then pick what works best for you. And that's always the best thing is that you don't always have to do what other people do, right? but you may learn one or two things that you can apply. You don't have to do I've exactly. I've learned so much from other parents. Exactly. I, I would say I've learned it's weird everything because, from other parents. Yeah, really. it's weird because we have this podcast where we're you know telling ideas and whatnot, but you know we're by no way experts in any no. of this. And I don't think anyone is an expert. Mm-mm. Everyone does it their own little way. Everybody has their own experiences and they can bring those, you know, to, to the public market and, and, and tell everybody what they've done. You know, it's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the final thing is for, for accepting this new role and adapting into mm-hmm. being a parent educator, you hear this, this talk about self-care. We, we did a, whole a month on it. We did a whole month on it earlier this year. If you haven't listened to that, go ahead and do. Um, but Self-care is important as a person, mm-hmm. but now you've taken on this extra role. It's really important now that you've taken on your uh, being a parent educator. It's like as if it wasn't exhausting enough to be a parent, then now you have to add all of these responsibilities to your life. So you've got to take care of your home and, you know, keep your family fed and all the things you've got to do. And manage you your health, manage your fitness, manage. Look after your kids and homeschool them now. Okay, great. That's just homeschooling. All, all the places you have to go and all that, you know. Oh my we gosh, just, we're running around constantly. We have a crazy calendar. That We just looked at it and I'm scared. Errol, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. I'm so scared. It's like we have so many things that we've got to do. So it's really busy. It can be exhausting. It can be draining. Mm-hmm. So you really have to take care of yourself. It's, and be, and it's important. Cr- and, and yeah, like I, I, that's such an important thing for me because I, you know, I have hobbies. I'm trying to get all this stuff done, trying to keep the house clean, try- keeping everybody fed, you know, taking care of the dog who's twitch sleeping here about three feet from me. Um, you know, <laughs> she's, you gotta, chasing something. she's chasing something. It's a squirrel. Spoilers. It's a squirrel. Um, and, you know, just having, keeping yourself happy and healthy so that you don't burn out is yeah. probably the most important thing. Because homeschooling is not the easy path. It's not. This is not the easy path to do. You have chosen the harder choice. You know, we we believe it's a wonderful choice and yeah. we hope it is for your family as well. I think it's worth well. it, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's not easy and it does take more out of you than just parenting because mm-hmm. you have all this planning and preparation and you're kind of on. We joke that you're kind of the cruise director all day, like <laughs> making sure that, you know, we go from one activity to the next and do this and, yeah. and that's, and that can be really exhausting. So, Really be kind to yourself and don't forget to meet your needs so that you can meet mm-hmm. the needs of your kiddos and set aside some time for yourself each day. Yep. You know, you need to recharge if you got to relax somehow, whether that's hobbies or spending time with friends or you need to just Working exercise. Out. Yeah, whatever you need to do. And and give yourself lots of grace, especially at the beginning because you're doing your best mm-hmm. um, and you're only going to get more comfortable and more skilled at being a parent educator as you without, gain experience. This is an evolution. Doubt. Yeah, without a doubt, you definitely get better over time, especially Absolutely. if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, it's my first year was really rough but i you know we're doing good and i'm gonna move on and everything it just gets better and better and better over time you become more and more knowledgeable about the process and you start to get more comfortable with the idea that it is a process and this is something that's going to take you know a decade a decade and a half for Mm -hmm. you to finally get you know this little four-year-old or five-year-old kid that's a little ball of energy and, and get them hopefully into college at the end 
and mm-hmm. it's a long process and you yeah and you got and it's a long game focus long on game. the long, long game, game. <laughs> just just give yourself grace i've seen a lot of posts lately of you know so excited having for first day of homeschool <laughs> oh my god my first day was so bad or whatever <laughs> you know if it's you're okay. if okay. you're new just give yourself some time to settle in mm-hmm this is an adaption and it doesn't happen overnight. So we hope this is helpful. Take these things into consideration. Um, and we hope that it helps you as you start out your homeschooling journey. And for those of you who are experienced homeschoolers, you know, remember, I, I think even as experienced homeschoolers, we sometimes forget some of these things to give ourselves, give ourselves grace, to remember that we might have to adapt, to get deep deep in that well of patience when our kids are being so frustrating I know. um so i think these are good lessons for us even and i i enjoyed actually writing these notes because it helped me reflect a little bit on the things that mm-hmm. we can still continue to learn and do better thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey please engage with us on social media join our homeschool together podcast group on facebook and find us at homeschool together podcast on instagram We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!